How many is excited to be in the house of God here today? Amen. So good to see everybody's smiling face in God's house. Good to have Brother Ben back in the house of God. Amen. Good to see all of our guests and visitors and returning guests and visitors. Uh, what a wonderful time we had this, this last weekend. Thank you very much, Brother Diaz and the Diaz family, ultimately, for putting on a wonderful thing for our local heroes. And, you know, anything that's great doesn't just happen on that day. It took time. It took preparation. It took dedication. And uh, we honor you for your time and your effort. And how many would like to have those ribs again? I said eventually we'll hold you to that and we'll have, a, we'll have another burnt offering before the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Just a, a few, few things before we bring up tonight's uh, teacher. Uh, I want to make mention a little pastoral note. Uh, we want our kids to be worshipers, amen? Hallelujah. So I don't believe in telling our kids to sit down and shut up in church. However, if, if our younger kids, I mean this by younger kids that don't necessarily know why they're running the aisles, uh, we want to train them to worship the Lord, train up a child the way they should go. But mom and dad, please go with them uh, because kids just running just to run. This ain't a playground. This is the house of God, the house of worship. And somebody said amen if you agree. Somebody say amen even if you don't agree. Hallelujah. But I felt so in order in our excellent series to uh, have a teaching about marriage. Now, I will say this, that nobody is an expert on marriage. Not one person. Uh, but I, I wanted to have somebody come. Now, I could give you all my wisdom in two and a half years of marriage, and I'm sure I would wow you because we got it all figured out. But I figured uh, we, would have, we would have one of our teaching staff been married for 43 or 45 years. So I'm going to get you in trouble right now if you forget. 46, okay, he's even better than that. But there's many that could give more advice, and I don't want anybody to feel left out or anything like that. But we just wanted somebody to give a good, balanced, biblical uh, approach to this and to teach about excellence in marriage. So without any further delay, we would like Elder Johnson to come and teach in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord, everyone. President's desk for all this stuff here. <laughs> I don't want to be the president. No. <clears throat> Praise God. I'm so thankful to be in the house of the Lord with the saints of God. Amen. Being a house of worshipers, I appreciate the worship of this church and uh, your exuberance for the Lord. Amen. Let's uh, open uh, this Bible study tonight, and it is a study with. Uh, Turning to Proverbs 18. It's 18 and 22. They have it up there for us. Thank you. Sound guys do a great job back there. I appreciate it. Proverbs 18, 22. Whosoever findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and ordaineth favor of the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. I would caution you that uh, 
my OCD's kicking in. I had to get that more centered. <laughs> um, that when you talk about your wife, don't refer to her as a thing. <clears throat> but the scripture does say, man that findeth the wife, findeth the good thing. So um, <clears throat> she's uh, not your slave. She's not your property. And um, she's your wife. It's ordained of the Lord. If um, you don't remember anything else I say tonight in regards to marriage, remember this one one thing. And um, as I was processing this lesson, hoping to bring you something that would help you, number one, and encourage you. I realize there's a wide spectrum of, of uh, people in different stages of life that some uh, haven't been married yet. Some have been married a while. and um, But when we talk about marriage, I, I think it's important that we realize that marriage is a delicate balance of compromise. A delicate balance of compromise. So when you go into to marriage, you need to put your ego aside and um, understand that you're now living with someone else that you prefer above everyone else, right? And um, <clears throat> I'm sure some of you that have more th had more than one try at this um, could come up here and teach you some things not to do as well. And um, I can't speak to that, although I've done some things I wish I hadn't have um, through the course of my almost 47 years now. Um, I remember one time vividly My dad was a mechanic. He worked at a Ford dealer <clears throat> at the end of his career. And they were having a sale on Ford trucks. And I'm not a big Ford guy. I really prefer Chevrolet. But, but my dad was a mechanic there. <laughs> and, uh, hey, they're having a sale on Ford trucks. And if you'll come buy a new truck, I'll buy your old truck. And, boy, it just sounded really good to me. So I just went and bought one. The next morning, I take my wife to the front room to look out the glass window and say, hey, look what I bought last night. That wasn't a lot of wisdom without consulting she who pays the bills. <laughs> and um, But it, it turned out that that truck ended up being a good truck and saved us. <laughs> Corey rode a lot of miles in the back of that truck in a camper shell and um, our car broke down. That truck ended up being our only transportation for, for quite a while. So when we talk about marriage, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting that um, we get two people, imperfect people, come together under the same roof, and they've made some vows to each other that uh, they're going to do some certain things. Uh, I was trying to remember those, you know, been to a lot of weddings, however, since, and so I re get refreshed every once in a while. And um, some of those vows are to love, to honor, to cherish, and to cleave only to your spouse, to cleave. So um, I thought, well, you know, those words, we, we hear the words a lot, but really, what are, what are they talking about? And um, so I went, got my Bible dictionary, and started looking some things up 
and uh, love meaning the unselfish, loyal, and benevolent intention and commitment to another. Unselfish, benevolent. Uh, honor, to hold in high esteem and respect. Troy, do you remember these? Yeah? How long ago was it? Almost a year. All right. Yeah, they should be fresh. Hold in high esteem and respect. And to cherish. To cherish with tender love and care. And in the Hebrew um, translation, it says, as a nurse for her children or as a hen with her chicks. And reminding me of Jesus saying, how oft I would gather you in as a hen would her chicks because he cherished the people. And then cleave only to your spouse. To cling means to keep close. In Hebrew, it means to stick or adhere to as glue. Adhere to as glue. And um, my early remembrances of glue, actually was paste. Do you remember the white paste we had? How many of you ate it? Yeah, I did. I did. The white paste. Found out later it was horses' hooves or something. I'm like, oh, well, I ate that. <laughs> so um, adhere to as glue, talking about our vows here. So when we, we get married, we have to remember that uh, there were two imperfect people that have come together, and uh, that includes all our warts and all, and our imperfections. Flaws get revealed as we live together and we get put in different stressful situations, dealing with each other, rubbing, you know, like uh, two rocks on each other. And um, so the first few years of marriage are getting to know each other and learning what pleases the other person, right? Because we're, we're always wanting to, to please our spouse. Um, and, um, you know, you when you start dating um, there's there's this this thing that happens you you drive up to the house and this this pretty girl comes out if you're a guy <coughs> it's the way it used to be at least and um, she's all dressed up she's dialed in you're she's looking good and you go out on a date and um, usually with a chaperone <coughs> I remember uh, when Debbie and I, I call her Sweetie, but her name's Debbie. Um, we, we spent a lot of time sitting at the airport watching people. That was kind of our date scene. We'd go to the Oakland airport, which wasn't too far away. We'd sit in the lobby and watch people go and come and going places, coming from places and making comments about how they're dressed or you know their luggage or whatever it was. That was kind of our, our thing back then. <coughs> so you know, you get you get married, and suddenly the the pretty girl that would bounce down the steps and get in your '68 Volkswagen, uh, she's wearing curlers in her hair, and, and uh, you know things start to get a little different. And uh, you know she's she's cleaning the house, and maybe she finds your dirty underwear on the floor, or um, you know things start to get a little little different. You know, morning breath bad hair days and you know get up on the wrong side of the bed did you ever try to get up on the wrong side of the bed 
growing up, my bed was against the wall, so I either got up on one side or, or you didn't get up. <coughs> um, but I always get up on the left side of the bed because <coughs> that's my side of the bed. And um, so there's laundry duties, there's housekeeping, there's all kinds of things going on. You know, then you're learning how, what your roles are, and then suddenly um, some kids come along. You look back and you're like, what happened? Just a few days ago, I was driving my car and picking her up, and and now we've got this family we've started, and we're living in a old house, and um, we were blessed, I'll have to say. Uh, Forty-seven years ago today, I was wrapping up my senior year in high school, and um, actually graduated, I think June 14th or something. <coughs> Richmond Unified School District, don't forget that. And um, they had a big shindig down at the Civic Center for all us graduates. I, I didn't dream at that time that within three months I would date a person for the first time and marry her in two and a half months on September 1st, <coughs> 47 years ago. What did an 18-year-old kid know about getting married? nothing nothing um, thought I did I thought I was ready for it and um, there was an adjustment period that uh, we both went through we were we were poor I didn't have a job <laughs> I'd got laid off of two jobs by the time we went on our first date to the time we were married and so when we got married I didn't have a job she was working at a dentist office making two something an hour I think and uh, rent was 140 something a month for an apartment and um, but the Lord was good and merciful and within a couple of weeks of getting married I got a job in the Teamsters Union and spent about 16 years there before I went into corrections and um, so God always took care of us and and he always will if you put him first and um, I know what it's like to struggle I, I know what it's like to uh, have to go to the bank and borrow money to pay bills. I know what it's like to go to the bank and borrow money to give in the offering. And, um, and, and then have to pay it back with interest. <laughs> but uh, because of our willingness to give, uh, the Lord has blessed us. And, and you can't out-give God, and you can't out-squeeze Him either. Amen. So, let's look at 1 Corinthians 7.33. Talking about uh, being married and making adjustments. Verse 33 of chapter 7. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. And so when we start accumulating some things, including children, <laughs> um, we, we start uh, realizing, hey, I've got a lot of responsibility. And um, I want to I wanna please my wife. I want to make her happy. I would break my neck to make her happy, honestly. And, um, you know, I think it was uh, Brother Bobo who told me the other day when he bought a new car, he says, you know, a happy wife is a happy life. 
pointed at his car. And, uh, or her car, actually, I think it is, right? It's her car, right. And, um, and you, you'll, you'll go in debt for a wife, for a spouse, won't you? And, um, um, you know, it, it's a learning experience. And at 47-year mark, I'm still learning. I haven't graduated yet. And um, I, I hope to get there someday. Um, let's look at Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 4. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but the whoremongers and the adulterers God will judge. Marriage is honorable. God sanctions marriage. He uh, brought Adam and Eve together in the garden, and uh, they became one flesh. And so it is with marriage. God has... has um, made it an honorable thing. Proverbs 19 and 14. Thank you. I want to turn there. House and riches are the inheritance of the fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. A prudent wife is from the Lord. And uh, that's one thing I can say about Sweetie over here, the queen of Kendall Way. She used to be queen of in Illinois Street, but we moved, and now she's queen of Kendall Way. And she's uh, a great wife, number one, but she's prudent in how that she handles the affairs of the household. And I don't have to worry about how money's handled. In fact, uh, it's better that she handles it than I do, because I'm a spender. And, um, and because she's good at managing money, probably could have been a CPA and if she wanted to be, um, we've, we've stayed out of trouble. <laughs> we've never had to file bankruptcy. Um, the Lord has blessed us, and, and uh, like I say, because we've been uh, good about giving to the work of God, he's always taken care of everything we've needed. I know uh, one time in my Teamster career, we were on strike for about, I believe it was 12 weeks, and um, during that 12-week period, you don't have any money coming in, and you're struggling to, uh, I had two boys at home, and uh, they had to eat, and, uh, but I know what it's like for the saints of God to come to the house with groceries and set them on the table, and our needs were met, and um, we didn't have much, but what we had the Lord was good to us, and we, we never went without because of how um, the Lord took care of us. And um, I think that has a lot to do with uh, having a prudent wife that, that is uh, good about handling finances and making sure that our bills are paid on time before. Uh, she's a stickler about having them paid before they're due. And... Um, so consequently, our credit ratings are pretty good. And uh, so I've got a lot to be thankful for. So when these two people come together, you know, they say that opposites attract. And uh, I don't know how it is in your relationship, but in, in a lot of ways, that's true. Um, I, my, my wife's very artsy-craftsy. I'm not. Um, 
I like pickup trucks. She likes SUVs. You know, I like sweet. She likes salty. I like vanilla. She likes chocolate. You know, so in a lot of ways we're different, but together we make a whole, right? And become the nucleus of a family. And um, so when you're looking for a partner, maybe I should turn over to this side some of you over here um, you're looking for a partner you want to be you want to be extremely careful extremely careful I was uh, very fortunate to, to find somebody in the church that loved God that put God first and um, because of her dedication it's made our life much better than, than it would have been otherwise um, I know that when, when I made a commitment to marry her that a lot of my, some of my friends that I thought were close friends decided, well, if you're going to marry somebody in the church and that's going to be your focus, then we don't need you anymore. And um, I don't know what's happened to those people now. I don't know if they're still alive. Um, but uh, my focus became my wife and how we could work together and become part of what God wants us to do in the body of Christ. And that's still our efforts today is trying to fulfill the role that he has called us to. Let's look at Proverbs 31. Very uh, often read verses of scripture from um, in, during weddings. Proverbs 31, verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She rises also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth the field and buyeth it. And with the fruit of her hand, she planteth the vineyard, and she girdeth her loins with strength, and strengthened her arms, and she perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, her hands hold the distaff. She stretched out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates, and he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She opened her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and praise, and he praiseth her. It's important to find a, a woman that can fit that role, isn't it? Um, it sure make life a lot easier if all these attributes were alive in your marriage. And... Um, you know, like I said earlier, we're, none of us are perfect. We've all made mistakes. We've all uh, not communicated when we should have or didn't communicate well when we could have. Um, I remember one time I came home, and I don't know what the situation was, but I remember this distinctly. 
she stopped me and said, hey, you're not at work now. Don't talk to me like I'm one of your employees. And I had to, had to stop and think a minute. Yeah, I guess I was barking a little bit. I, I, I guess I, you know, just came out of me. And uh, so I have to learn to be kind when I speak and, um, and to consider her needs as well as my own. So in choosing a partner, this is a critical component and, and not to be taken lightly. And today, our society, um, they have decided that, you know, if, if it don't work, we'll just get a divorce. And they don't mind, um, you know, jumping into a relationship without doing much research about it or commitment. And then, and then ultimately having to get a divorce because it didn't work out and these two people couldn't agree and, and so they agree to separate. And uh, I think with that being the, the way it is in our society today, um, you know, it makes it too easy for just say, it's not worth the effort. It's not worth the effort and let's just, let's just, let's just do something else. <coughs> So we have to understand that everybody has a bad day and everybody doesn't communicate well all of the time. All of the time. First Corinthians chapter 7 is full of marital relationship advice and Paul is talking uh, as he writes here in First Corinthians. He, he said, uh, I would prefer, Jonathan, this is for you and Miss Finch over here. I, I prefer that you were single like me. But, but if you can't contain yourself, it's better to marry than to burn, right? Right. So, um, now, that's, that's speaking from a man that was never married, right? So he didn't know what it was like to have a wife other than, you know, what he had observed by seeing people in relationships. And, um, and so he wanted people to be saved. And so we look at... Um, different Bible examples, and I was just kind of racking my brain about, God, give me a good Bible example of a great marriage that uh, I can use, and and uh, just really, you know, remind the people about how good you are and how you work, and, and as I was searching through the scripture, you know, the earliest example of, of a good relationship was Abraham, but he was not without fault, was he? He wasn't without fault. He made some huge, huge mistakes. And uh, we're still dealing with that in the Mideast today because of Abraham's choices. And, um, you know, Sarah was, Sarah was, okay, yeah, why don't you take Hagar and have a child by Hagar, and I'll raise it as my own. And, uh, you know, it'll become, it'll be your son, and it'll, I'll claim it as mine. That didn't work, did it? That wasn't the will of God. God had promised them the child, and uh, they got in a little bit of a hurry. I realize they were 100 years old, um, <laughs> and uh, I don't plan on living that long personally, um, but, you know, they, they got in a little bit of a hurry, and, um, and so Ishmael is born, and it's another 13 years before Isaac shows up, the promise. This is the promise right here. I, this is what I told you about. And it was the relationship between Ishmael to Isaac that severed the relationship when Sarah saw that he was teasing her little boy. He says, we're not going to have that here. She's got to go, right? And um, 
so we all know the story how that um, Hagar and Ishmael were sent out into the desert with a water jug over their, her shoulder and, and some, some food. And, um, but Abra that wasn't the only mistake Abraham ever made. <laughs> Wish it was. As I begin to, to read more into it, you know, Sarah dies at 127 years old. And um, by this time, Abraham's bought a cave uh, to bury his family in, become the family plot. And they bury Sarah in the cave. And what does Abraham do? He remarries. And he has six more sons. And uh, they grow up. And uh, Isaac's still the promise. <laughs> Isaac's still what God said um, was coming. And as Abraham aged and he decided that, okay, I'm coming to the end of my life now. He was 175 years old. And uh, can't imagine living that long. Um, he sent his six sons to the east, the Bible says. What was one of those sons' names? Midian. Midian. Who do we see Gideon fighting in Judges? The Midianites. Abraham's sons coming back to claim the property and uh, the value that was there that Gideon was defending. So because of some of the, the decisions that Abraham made, there was stress on the people of Israel because of it later on. And uh, we could talk about Esau. We could talk about Jacob and, and how he was sent back to his uncle's home to, to get a wife. Um, um, but I, I wanted, well, first of all, let me tell you, I was told to get a certain, not a button. If you don't know what that means, send, see me after church. Um, I wanted to talk about Samson. Samson uh, was a Nazarite unto God. The angel of the Lord told his mother that uh, Samson was going to be the deliverer. But when Samson grew up and he started looking around, he said, uh, that girl there, that Philistine woman, that's, that's the girl I want. He says in, it, in the scripture, he says, she pleases me well. She pleases me well. And so he goes to his father because in those days things were, were done through a bartering system for value. And he says, get that woman for me as a wife. And, and Manoah, he's, he's like, what's wrong with uh, your kindred? Why are you having to go to the Philistines to pick a wife? And he uh, says, I don't care. That's the one I want. And so dad had to go down and negotiate the value of this woman and I don't know if she was a two cow woman or a five cow woman or two goats and a dove or, or what she was but there was some value placed on her and uh, they, they had to pay the price and Samson uh, of course we all know the story how that she was compromised um, and Samson in the end after he had uh, promised some garments to these uh, Philistines if they could solve a riddle he ended up having to go kill some people to take their clothes to give them to them. And, and of course, we know the story how he ends up with a prostitute, Delilah, and he tells her the secret of his strength. And 
ends up as an animal pushing a millstone for the rest of his natural life because he made choices uh, that weren't pleasing to God. Now, God used him to deliver Israel, but it was a very hard life. And, that, and I wouldn't want that to happen to any one of us here tonight. So we have to be careful when we're looking for a wife. We don't go down, you know, guys, we don't go down to uh, the mall and stand out in front of Victoria's Secret and wait for the best-looking girl to walk by to decide that's the one I'm going to marry. Or girls, we don't go down to the gym and look at the guy that's got the biggest muscles and say, that's the guy I need to, to marry. Or we don't go to the clubs where they're dancing and hooping it up and saying, you know, this is where you need to find your spouse is in church. So I'm going to move rapidly through bulk of this, or the end of this, I could talk about Ruth, we could talk about um, the story of Ruth, which was a beautiful story, the Moabite, and um, how that she became part of the lineage of Christ through her marriage to Boaz. Um, there's, a, there's a whole story there, and we could talk about it, but for the sake of time, we won't. We have to remember that as married people that we have a responsibility to each other that no matter what else is happening that we always prefer the other person if we are indeed the bride of Christ we're not going to just show up to church when it's convenient we're going to be here because it's the right thing to do the right thing to do. Um, if if a um, we don't get to dress like we want, right? And we would never fail to support the family. The Bible tells us that a man that won't work shouldn't eat. And um, if we're not going to support the work of God, should you have the right to eat the word of God? Um, we are the bride of Christ, and uh, we have to think about um, our role in our relationship with him. I'm going to quickly go through some scriptures here as we run out of time. Uh, Colossians 3.18 tells us, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. That's a choice you make to submit. Mentioned that the other day about you make a choice to submit, and uh, that means that uh, to the men that this isn't a dictatorship. You know, Eve was made from a rib and not from a foot bone, and uh, so you know we're to walk side by side. Uh, Ephesians five twenty five, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it, and then dropping down to verse twenty eight. Verse 28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Ephesians 4.26, be angry and sin not. Be angry and sin not. Two imperfect people living under the same roof. You're not always 
happy. <laughs> you can get, be angry, but you don't have to sin. You don't have to start um, using terrible language or demeaning language that would hurt the other person. There's a there's a um, saying we used to say when we were kids: "Sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never hurt me." And that's not true, is it? <laughs> it's not true. Words can have a lasting effect. And uh, some, some of us might carry some emotional scars over things we've been told as uh, growing up as children or teens and uh, being told that we would never amount to anything or whatever, whatever the verbiage was. So uh, we want to be careful about what we say, and, and particularly when, when we're angry. Proverbs 29 and 20 talks about hasty words here. Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. Think before you say it. Think before you say it. Things said in anger or in a moment, be careful about saying the first thing that comes into your head. <clears throat> it should be, uh, communication should be an exchange of, of words and ideas, not a war of words. Ecclesiastes 9 and 9. And this is to you older folks like me. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life, of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun. Joyfully with your wife. Joyfully. Joyfully. So I want to wrap up with six tips for godly marriage. And I'm going to be reading uh, verses from the, new, the uh, NIV in regards to this. The number one tip is faithfulness. Faithfulness. How many believe you need to be faithful in marriage? Amen. When we say our vows at the altar, we promise to be faithful to one another as long as we live. Loyalty to our spouse is the foundation of trust in our marriage. When loyalty and faithfulness disappear, so does the trust. And once broken, trust is difficult to reestablish. Mark 10 and 9. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Honor. The dictionary defines honor as high respect, esteem. We talked about that. Uh, it's the next level of respect. It's high respect. And as married couples, we're meant to give the highest regard to one another. We show honor in the way we speak to each other, the way we behave, and the way we conduct ourselves both in and out of the home. Romans 12 and 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor another above yourself, yourselves. Number three, humility. Pride and arrogance have no place in harmonious, harmonious marriages. Instead, we're meant to be humble, unassuming. We shouldn't jump to worst-case conclusions about one another. We must always be ready to step up and admit when we're wrong. Humility means not pushing our opin opinions on one another, even when we think we're right. Giving our spouse the floor when we might really want it for ourselves. Ephesians 4 and 2. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The bond of peace. 
patience, number four. It can be a challenge to be patient with one another, especially when it comes to the inevitable personality clashes that we have with our spouses from time to time. But the scripture urges us to exercise patience and to show kindness when we're feeling irritated with one another. It's one of the many attributes that helps us keep the peace in our marriages. Ephesians 4.2 uh, said, we've read a portion of that, be complete, completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Number five, understanding. Because a marriage consists of two very different people merging their lives and creating a home together, it's important for us to try to understand each other. Practicing empathy, not sympathy, empathy. Empathy. The art of stepping into your spouse's shoes and seeing situations from his or her angle. It will help you as you work daily to understand one another. First Peter 3 and 7. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. And lastly, the sixth tip is unity. In marriage, husbands and wives are on the same team. Two imperfect people who have chosen to be joined together as one. Unity doesn't mean you have to agree on everything or have all the same preferences, likes, or dislikes. Instead, it means sticking together in spite of your difference. It's a conscious decision to work together to reach consensus, compromising when necessary as you make decisions together, both big and small. Colossians 3.14 and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You want to have a successful marriage? Let God's word work in you and talk to you and, and um, allow you to knit together and become the unit that he wants you to be. And uh, like I said earlier, you know, it's, it's a... Um, it's a it's a ongoing learning process. At uh, the 47 year mark, I'm still learning how to be a good husband. I'm not a perfect man, I'm not the perfect husband, um, but I'm trying. I'm trying really hard, and um, I hope to, that um, somehow something I've said tonight would help you in your your efforts to maintain a godly marriage, and to help you as you go through life see that uh, there. There's value in that person that I chose to be my spouse, and uh, I, I value them. And um, in, in my own case, you know, I, I've gotten to the point where I wouldn't know how to live without her. And um, but uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's a humbling experience to realize that uh, you know I'm depending on my wife to help me get through the rest of this you know I've had some physical struggles in the last few years that uh, that I contend with um, and boy she's all over me about making sure I take care of myself um, and uh, I, I appreciate that about her I appreciate the way that uh, she helped me raise our, our kids our two boys and now uh, she's best nana in the world because we have two grandsons and, and they love her to death um, the other day the uh, youngest one he's uh, 14 and he calls her 
and said, hey, can you put some money in my account? I'm at the McDonald's or somewhere. And he's got some little debit card. And uh, they don't mind asking Nana. They won't call Papa about this. They call <laughs> Nana about this. Hey, would you put some money on my uh, debit card so I can get some whatever it was? And do you think she told him no? No. No. Um, but let me decide to buy something. <laughs> it won't be French fries, I'll tell you. <laughs> It'll be something much more valuable than that. Thank you for your time this evening. I'm going to turn this back to Pastor Hood. Amen, amen. Let's stand all across the building. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray right now for just a moment. Whether you are married, unmarried, looking to get married, I think there's a lot of valuable information. Let's pray for just a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you, God. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. You know, in apostolic Pentecostal circles we're often known for what we feel and not so much for what we think and I don't ever want it to be said of ARC that we're people that only feel but never get the opportunity to think because it's in the moments when we think that we really can change and in moments like this marriages can change people can change you know somebody said it this way you can't change your spouse but you can change yourself. And, and sometimes it's easy to think we can change the other person. And some people actually get married thinking that. Well, you were wrong. Hallelujah. <laughs> you can't change the other person, but you can look at some of the things that were taught here today and say, God, how can I be better? God will never judge you based on how they were as a spouse, but God will judge you on how you were as a spouse. And so that's something to be thought about and say, God, how can I be better? And some of the young people... There was a lot of good information put out there. A lot of, uh, you know, some things were communicated, not even with words, but even in compliments made to his wife. That's the kind of marriage you want. That's the kind of marriage you want. Amen. And there's people that are that are not married that want to get married. And, and ultimately, it's got to come from a place of prayer. You got to get on your knees and really seek after God and say, God, who do you have for me? And in a spiritual mind, I waited 28 years to get married. I had plenty of opportunities to get married, Elder. Plenty. But I said, God, I want the right one. I don't want just anybody. I want somebody who matches that Proverbs 31. And if young man, young lady, if you'll pray and say, God, I want the right one and I will not settle for less, God will honor you. God will honor you. I want to take a moment, if we, could, if we could remove that pulpit. I'd like for all of our married couples to come. Take your spouse by the hand. Even if your spouse isn't here, if you want to come. And this is not to embarrass anybody. If we could come and line up against the front. There is an all-out assault in our generation on marriage. I'm talking about it is, it is not even afraid to attack marriages openly. It wants to destroy every single marriage, especially Christian apostolic marriages that are looking to build the kingdom of God. 
The church, I've said it before and I'll say it a billion more times, the church is built, if we can gather in, the church is built on strong families and strong families are built on strong marriages. We have got to have our marriages solidified that the devil can't find any place in it. It doesn't matter if you've been married one year, a couple months, or 47, 67, 107. We all need to protect. I also want all of our unmarried folks, those that want to get married, those that maybe don't want to get married but want the desire to get married, we want you to come and gather behind everyone. And we're going to pray. And if you don't have anything to pray about yourself, why don't you pray for the marriages of ARC? We want strong marriages in this church. Would you lift up your hands and let's pray? Come on, let's pray all across the building. God, we want excellent marriages in this church, God, because that's where excellent families come from, and that's where excellent churches come from. It's the very nucleus. It's the Adam and Eve. It's the very start. It's the very core. It's Christ and his church. It's husband and its wife, God. Hallelujah, Lord. We're praying right now, God, for every marriage that you would bless them, God. Bless their finances. Bless their health. Bless their children. Bless their grandchildren. Bless every area, God. Bless their relationship. I pray that if there's any bitterness, if there's any guile, if there's any hurt, I pray that you'd begin to heal it right now, God. That you would go and touch those areas. Come on, let's pray, church. The Holy Ghost is doing a work right here. The Holy Ghost is doing a work right here. I pray for every unmarried individual that is having desire to get married, Lord, that they would seek your face, God, that you would bring the right individual into their life, the right man for the right woman, the right woman for the right man. And we are praying, God, that you would begin to put together apostolic, godly marriages, amen, to help the church grow, to help the church move forward, to help the kingdom of God. Oh, let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Hallelujah, if there's any area in my life, God, that I can be a better husband, help me do it. If there's any area where they can be a better wife, God, let that happen. Let us work together to fulfill the will of God in our marriages, Jesus. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, husbands, pray for your wives right now. Wives, pray for your husband. If your spouse is not here, call their name. Lift them up in prayer. If you're unmarried, begin to pray for your future spouse and say, God, touch them. God, bless them. Keep them safe. Come on, if they're not saved, I want you to pray for them right now. The believing husband is saved. The unbelieving husband is saved by the believing wife and vice versa. If your spouse is not saved, pray, God, I want to have a godly marriage. I want my marriage to go to heaven. I want everyone, amen, in my family to be saved, God. I pray that you see our faithfulness. You see our commitment. I pray, God, go to that spouse right now, Lord. Begin to speak to them. Begin to talk with them. Come on, the Holy Ghost is moving. Oh, Jesus. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, if you've got kids that are married, I want you to pray for their marriage right now. 
You've got grandkids that are married. I want you to pray for their marriage right now. Those that you know, maybe their marriage is rocky. I want you to pray for them right now. God, strengthen, strengthen, strengthen. They may not have been in the church, but but our nation needs strong marriages. Our our country needs strong marriages. We cannot lose to an all-out attack on marriage. We've got to win. We've got to win. We've got to win. That's it. Let's pray. I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, Jesus. If there's anything hindering our marriages, God, help us to see it. Help us to remove it, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a verse that Elder Johnson read, and there was another portion to it. It talked about coming back together, that your prayers wouldn't be hindered there's a lot of things that keep us apart in a marriage anger bitterness just man you stepped on my foot today a little easier in a, in a fifth wheel to do that not for long hallelujah but there's a lot of things that can keep us apart and the bible is saying that the devil can get an advantage there and if it's, whether it's intimacy, whether it's communication, whatever the case may be, we need, we need to come together in our marriages because we can't let the devil have an advantage. We can't have husbands looking for a new wife. We can't have wives looking for a new husband. We can't have no side chicks or side bros. We can't have any of that. We've got to have strong marriages. And it comes when we come together and we realize, like you said, this is a united front. One more time, let's pray. Lift up your voice. Maybe there's something you know that has been hindering you from coming together with your spouse. Maybe there's some past things that even before you got married, some hurt and some pains from other things. Maybe you, this is your second or third marriage. Whatever the case may be, we still want, we still want this to work. And we're praying right now in the name of Jesus that, God, you would heal marriages, that you would work in marriages that the devil would not have his place there that there would be no that there would be no hindrance to our prayers that there be no hindrance in the church because there is no connectivity in marriages we're praying right now god that you would mend that you would heal that you would unite in the wonderful name of jesus let's give the lord a hand clap of praise oh somebody worship him thank you jesus Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We love everyone. God bless you. Thank you for coming out to Wednesday night Bible study. Hope that this was a blessing to somebody. Shake hands. Be friendly. Love one another. Let's not forget youth success class, 630 uh, this Friday night. That's for anyone ages 13 to 30, married, not married, whatever the case may be. We want to try to create an environment to give information, to help people succeed in life. And then also Sunday service at 1.30 p.m. Invite your neighbor, invite your friends, invite somebody you see at Walmart. God bless you. Shake hands, be friendly, love one another, and, and let's have a great service on Sunday.